Welcome, everyone, to the Sigos Committee Podcast. This is our podcast for the evening of February 6th, 2024. Y'all, it's good to be back. I'm sorry I missed the condiment discussion. I feel like I was so uh, out of it, I would have been, I don't know, I would have been very useless. I'm glad to be here. Was You would have had more mild takes than usual? Oh, yeah. No, I would have actually been fully, way too subdued for this podcast. Oh, okay. Was uh, was Straw Jordan a reasonable representation of your actual opinions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the nose. Loved it. Great. I'm so I'm happy to be back. This morning, I got the chance to do the Dumpster Fire uh, podcast slash YouTube show with the folks Urinating Tree and Five Points Vids. That was a lot of fun. Got to talk about, theoretically, it was about the Super Bowl. But right before I got on, they were talking about something like, I wonder what game has had the most puns in like modern football. And the, the minute they unmuted me, I was like, 1939, Texas Tech <laughs> uh, So they uh, never heard of it, which is always great to share that story with people. Oh, I think you're going to see a five point vids pretty soon about that game. I'm glad that our podcast for that is now on the free feed. Yes, it's great. Have you heard the good news of our Lord and Savior, 1939 Texas Tech Centenary? We'll, I know. We'll just go door and, to door. And got to, got to push Centenary as they're back, baby. And they're back and better than ever. It's like New Coke. Hey, Beth, I didn't get to wish you this the other day, but happy, happy chord change day. Happy chord change day to all. It, the most blessed of days every two ish years, kind of, sort of. <laughs> kind of, sort of. So. Let me rewind for folks that don't know. John Cage is was a absolute madman of a composer in the 20th century. One of the true, like, if you think, if you're someone that dislikes the kind of music that's like, I could have composed this, then you're really not going to like John Cage. One of his most famous pieces is 433, which is a three-movement piano sonata. I think you would call it a sonata. Yeah. Written for three movements. Of it's complete definitely sound. in sonata form. Yes. And because the whole point is that the movements are supposed to be exactly timed. So you you sit, the piano keyboard's open, and then you close it for a certain amount of time. And then you shake it out like you're done with the first movement. You open it up again, or I forget, you open or close it. But yeah, like that's that's what you do. And it's supposed to be a meditation on like what is real silence. I think the story, I, it's probably fake, but the idea that he, uh, Cage went into a anechoic chamber at Harvard and yeah. even with all the sound pulled out of the room, an anechoic chamber is a chamber where you, there's no echo even, it's nothingness is dead. Mm -hmm. And he could still hear pitches. He heard his circulatory system and his nervous system, we thought it was. And so even in silence, there's sound. And this also goes to that great thing of, you know, why people fucking hate paintings that are just a white canvas. But the idea of a piece of music with one rest is music. You keep adding rest. At some point, does it stop being music? Well, what if I put in all rest? What if oops, all rests? And it's interesting. But anyways, Cage wrote a piece called As Slow As Possible, where the only tempo marking is to play it as slow as possible. And on piano, these performances last usually 50 to 70 minutes. Right, oh. because as each, as each thing happens, you have to wait for the sound to completely fade. And on piano, the sound will fade. Right. However, there exist musical instruments where that's not true, like the pipe organ. The pipe organ, if you continuously put air through it, sound will last forever. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a project in Halberstadt, Germany, where they are playing this piece of music. It started in 2001, and they are going to play it until find the uh, year. Six, it's, they're going to play it for 639 years. Okay. Yes. Um, oh, that's right, because so the, the church will, was built six, until 2640. 2640, right. There we go. And so every couple of years, the notes change. And Beth, can you talk about how they change the notes? Because it's so cool. Oh, I love this so much. So uh, typically on an organ, you would change by uh, by hitting a different key or changing the registration, but hitting hitting a different key and so a new note would sound. This is a custom-built pipe organ. And the way that organ pipes work is they go into something called the wind box. The bellows drive air into the wind box, and then the wind box engages certain pipes and those sound. For this specific uh, performance, this custom-built organ is much closer to like the Orgel project. If any of you guys know what that is, I know I've gotten real into. No, deep, it's good. Deep no, in, you're real. You're real. The the I love it. Yeah, um, my original primary instrument was organ, so like this is the depth of my nerddom. Um, what they're doing for this is they are actually only having the pipes in the wind box that are playing the pitches that they want. So the organ is only capable of playing the pitches that are currently sounding. So when you change a pitch, if you're if you want a pitch to stop sounding, they literally pull the pipe out. And yeah, they do this quick little dance where they pull, pull one in and pull one out. And, and you have to be very, very, very quick. Otherwise, it will be out of tune. Um, and you can't have that. So they added a D yesterday, which is a very big deal for all of us. Uh, if you're wondering how they are continually playing all of these things, there are sandbags down on the relevant keys and pedals. Mm. So that is how this is going. So I, but I, in order for this to count, like there are computerized performances of this. What makes this interesting is this is not a computerized performance. Live musicians are doing this task. They are changing the note by physically inserting or removing the pipes. There are a couple coming up in the 2030s where they're going to both remove a pipe and insert a pipe at the same time. It's, and it's, I cannot wait. So... Beth and I are clearly like pro on this kind of like weird ass performance. Kamish, I need to ask your opinion on this. Pink Girl 2. Like, he did listen to it. Like, like yeah. Can we go watch them change like the that? pipes? That's what I want to know. I want to watch them do yeah. the NASCAR oh, let's go. stop where they oh, yeah. well, it's, a, it's, a whole, it's a whole thing. Like people, like hundreds of people yeah, show like, up. Yeah, there's like a festival that day. It's a very, very big deal when it's on Pipe Change Day. So like if you have nothing to do on, on August 5th, 2026, I'm... I'm just saying, yeah. not that I don't have three alerts set up on my phone now, but <laughs> so yeah, Kamish, how do you feel about these kinds of things? Like this is, I know this is like not even music, which is out of your ballpark, but this is like, this is weird music. This is music that most musicians don't consider music. Yeah. I listened to the note and it reminded me of like an emergency broadcast. It does. It's not, it's not it even, just, it, was just it's like, a, it was like, woo. This it's is a cluster. An emergency broadcast. <laughs> yeah, the tornado warning for Bear County. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. I was just like, okay, I don't understand. Like it, Jordan and Beth are going off in the yeah, chat. You and you walked and then, into it too. Like, we were just full there's, on. There's like fifty some odd messages in the in the group chat that is just going on, and I just I did the the Abe Simpson. Yeah, but I was like, I, I'm out, I'm out. And like Beth got sad. I was like, okay, fine, I'll listen to this thing. And it, it was just like, mm. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. I don't know, but 
I mean, <laughs> whatever. I just, I don't, I, I don't know. It, it seems very, I would say, up our alley, like, committee-wise. Yeah. Because this is, like, incredibly music sickos, I would say. It, but I, I don't know much about it. Like, this is rules lawyery as shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, like, like, oh, you want it as slow as fucking possible? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to mathematically, because it's all mathematically set. When the notes yep. change, it's down to an exact timing on a yep. given day. And because you've mathed this out so much, that is the ultimate rules lawyery bullshit. It, it is so picky. Currently, it is only mathed out until 2071. Like the next set of calculations after that haven't been done yet because they wanted the next generation of musicians. To do <laughs> oh, I, I like this as like the musical version of building a cathedral, right? Where you know and this is our Sagrada Familia, it's not, right? It's not going to be done until yeah. everybody's dead. I love that. Yeah, um, it's it's very fantastic. I also love conceptualizing this as the musical version of a Rothko, right? Because like the internet yeah. loves to shit on Rothko's and be like, right. I could do that. That is because they look like shit on your tiny little computer screen. The thing people do not realize about Rothko's having seen several of them in person is that they're huge and the like depth of color does not photograph well. I am not really super into visual art. Rothko's are cool. The internet is wrong. Enjoy them. Go see one in person. Imagine living next to this organ. I was thinking I mean, about like that too. Organs are loud as fuck. They used to have it like in a glass case to yep. reduce the volume for the first 10 years. And then they decided, fuck that. Yeah, we should we're just be appreciating go. this performance. So if you just walk in, like it's there the whole time. If you work in this church, I assume people work there. It's just there. At what point do you just kind of stop hearing it in the same way that like you don't realize the way that your own house smells until you go on vacation for a while, then come back and you're like, oh, my house smells like that. I Here's the thing. I'm just imagining the sense of disorientation when the chord changes. Yeah. Oh, for days, like, I would be like falling over myself. <laughs> you get used to the resonance. Like the whole room is vibrating at the proper chord at the proper speeds. And all of a sudden that changes. And it would really fuck you up. I, I love, I love shit like this. This is yeah. Yeah. The, actually the, so what I didn't realize is that in 2022, uh, there was actually the second slowest performance of this piece known to date happened at SMU. Ooh. At Perkins Chapel, they have a beautiful pipe organ there. They did an 18-hour performance. Nice. How did I not? How did I not go to this? I love that. That's the second slowest performance. We've got 600 years in 18 hours. Uh, someone did a 24-hour performance as well. So apparently, it's the third slowest now. We've we've already compounded this. Like, here's the thing. Just to like, just to part the kimono for a moment. Mm -hmm. We had people on the account who were who were saying who were commenting and saying, you know, like we really need like a music theory sickos thing. Friends, that happens all the time. We just don't usually do it in public. <laughs> we do it on here. <laughs> yes, we Jordan and I do it to like and and annoy more and annoy Pit Girl in the commission. I'm sure just an unbelievable amount, and only a tiny fraction of that makes it out to you because we know we would get yelled at. Mm -hmm. I, Although people, I understand enough to be amused by the music theory sickness for yeah. the record. As a, a briefly former band kid who appreciates enthusiasm on niche topics of all sorts, that's the thing, right? Like it's the enthusiasm you go with here, and it's not me sitting here being like, "Ah ha ha, this is dumb." It's like, no, this is like this is cool as this, shit. This is crazy and cool because it is massive and weird. And what more do I want than massive and weird? 
at some point, man, we'll get talking about the Feshpil house at, at Bayreuth and talk about Wagner's weird shit. Uh, and like, I will talk to you about a weird man with fuzzy underpants who built, uh, who built his own like cathedral to music. Cause nothing else was fucking good enough. And the organ is now uh, in the chat. If you want to see what this organ with very few pipes looks like. It's, it's, it's hilarious because it breaks every definition of what I would think an organ would be. It's just yep. a couple of little pipes. Yep. And the sandbags. This is from a couple of years ago, but yeah, because this is only three notes. See? Yeah. Now it has many more notes. Uh, I will say two hilarious things before I move on. One, this piece began with two years of rest. A uh, year and a half, actually. 518 days. So everyone got there for the start of the performance. And this score is published. Everyone knows what the score is, but it starts with a rest of a year and a half, a year and a half. And then at some point, it was, it was 2013 to 2020, the notes did not change. Yep. That was a 2,527-day hold. Yep. If we go to Halberstadt to watch this at any point, I'm absolutely going to be terrible symphony dork and bring the score. Yeah, of course. Got to bring the score. It's just following along like, oh, you know, that was a, that was a few seconds off, I feel. It gave it was a little rubato for my taste, a little too much in the tempo. I can you imagine being the person who's there and they switch out the pipes and you're just like, mm. uh. <laughs> can we go back and do that one again? Can we just start this whole thing over again? Oh no, they accidentally swung it. It's jazzy now. Yeah, oh yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the Germans—they'd be so angry. Oh, they'd be so, so angry. Anyways. I love this thing. It's beautiful. Uh, Thank you for letting me geek out about uh, it. Jordan, in your enthusiasm for this, I think you forgot something. Uh, I'll, yeah, sure. I'm Jordan and I'm awesome. I don't know who the <laughs> fuck these people are. <laughs> I got, I got, I got grouchy man. I got chill dude. I have woman in the dark and I have woman in the light. Welcome to the podcast. Beth, how are you doing? D. <laughs> Hey girl, how are you? I'm good. I am enjoying my bat cave, as I am currently in the dark. Kamish, how are you, sir? Uh, it's been a rough day. Oh, and then, I'm, then, of... I had, then I had to go off on like weird ass music shit. I'm sorry. I'm uh, just just kind of annoyed at like everything today. So uh, gotcha. It, just basically, it was a it was like a horrible day at work, and then like outside, my neighbor decided to hire a power washer. Okay. But there, oh, okay. Yeah. So it was just like four hours of just like I could not turn up my headphones loud enough to drown out the power washing. I'm not mentally in a in a good mood right now. So let's see how this podcast goes. Maybe we'll, we'll maybe lift you, you out. Turn we'll the, lift you out. You can turn that frown upside down and uh, oh. yeah, we'll absolutely down. turn turn that frown upside down. I do want to talk first, guys. So Pennsylvanians, I've never been to Hershey Park. Oh. I did not Hershey's know. I, I, chocolate. Hershey's I did not realize chocolate. they have mascots. Chocolate world. Kamish dropped some of them in the chat. Y'all, th- I got brought to this because I was looking at the Reese's Senior Senior Bowl mm-hmm. we had, and that mascot always looks a little blackface is the wrong term, but it looks it has that feel. But then I found the entire group at Hershey Park, and some of this, y'all. Uh, is is intense. I'm going to show you the current lineup because there are five current Hershey characters that are in the park. I'll drop these in the chat as well. We have... This looks, this looks AI as hell. I feel like right this now. isn't even like, all of them. See. Beth, am I, make, like, am I having a Berenstein Bears moment or didn't there used to be a Twizzler? 
So I, I, I dropped the new one. I dropped the current lineup in there. I there's also a Hershey Kiss. Like I, there were many more of these than that. But so I, I thought there was a white chocolate one at one point, the cookies and cream thing. But I'm not sure. It's been a hot minute. I would like to read. Okay, from there is a Twizzler. I'm not crazy. Continue, Jordan. So here we go. Uh, the Hershey Bar. He makes everyone feel instantly at ease whenever he's around. Hershey's character genuinely loves, enjoys meeting new people and making new friends. Okay, that's innocuous. Let's talk about the Jolly Rancher, who is, uh, you call him the bad boy? Because he looks pretty rad. Just unbelievably 90s. Hmm? He, he's, like, he's bold and bright and always ready to go. Jolly Rancher character is filled with positive energy and loves to share his unique style with everyone. The kiss. The kiss looks weird to me because it's just the foil with a woman's face on it. Its eyes are too far apart. That That's part of it. Uh, a little wall-eyed. Kisses character, Kisses character, the name is Kisses, by the way, like plural Kisses. Kisses character is warm and inviting with a fun-loving spirit. She enjoys making guests feel comfortable and included when they are with her. We're getting a little like, like that. all of a sudden we're getting like, it's a little too close, a little too comfortable. How about Reese's? Reese's character is full of energy, peanut butter, and a touch of mischief. Y'all, those are three very separate things. Energy, peanut butter, and a touch of mischief. Is the energy from the peanut? Is it because it's protein? Would you consider a Reese's cup to be a good, like, pro? Because people were like, oh, I need some energy. I'll get a Snickers because it has protein and it has that. Would you consider a Reese's cup to be the same way? Is it like a protein snack or because it has that real peanut butter? I mean, there's so I, much sugar in Reese's peanut butter. It's good inside the Reese's cup. As we discussed last on the last episode, the jar of Reese's peanut butter is awful. I don't, I don't know that that really. I. Give it I, just for the moment. I need to distract us long enough to post uh, some of my favorite '90s Hershey's Park mascots, including the Symphony Bar. Yes, it has a bow tie and the piece and the Reese's Nutrageous. Ooh, I love the, <laughs> the eyebrows on the Symphony Bar are so good. That's the um, bar right there. Yes. There's also um, let me see if I can find it. Oh yeah, there he is. Um, there is also a Hershey's syrup mascot. That yes. has sunglasses, not at all where you would think sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. No, it's wearing them on the head. Like, you know how people do when they don't need the sunglasses and they. Mm -hmm. so how would he bring those down head? over his eyes? Yeah, I don't know that his arms reach to move his sunglasses. I don't think down. his head is, his head's too wide at the point where his eyes are. He's too yeah. wide. Reese's, by the way, likes the unexpected and enjoys making guests smile. That's also weird, y'all. Maybe the Hershey syrup guy, you know how when like really little kids have glasses, they have like the headband goggle thing situation. Maybe that's how the Hershey syrup guy's glasses work. I wonder how the Hershey syrup bottle would use the new Apple Vision Pro. Just <laughs> <laughs> strap it way over his head, get the extra long attachment. I don't know what this picture with the Twizzlers lady is. I don't know if the lady next to her is cosplaying as the Twizzlers lady. I, but this is the official picture from the website. Like, this is from Hersheyspark.com. Wow. Okay. Uh, Twizzler's character doesn't mind twisting herself into knots to make a guest smile. Weird. She's entertaining and easygoing. The twist you can't resist. Lots of language about making guests smile in this uh, in this mascot descriptions. Uh, right. It, it definitely feels like, oh, we're going to make things hmm. extra special and make you smile. And I appreciate that. However, 
don't know that we always need that. I have worked at an amusement park, not not Hershey Park. I've worked at uh, Kennywood here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And we had, they tried to, so they, Kennywood already has two mascots. They've had two. The one is the kangaroo. That's like their main mascot. Mm-hmm. Then they added a second one that's they like in an arrow, which is like the, the Kennywood logo. Um, so that's like their logo as a mascot. So then when I was working in the park, they tried to introduce a third mascot. And that mascot lasted like a day before they got rid of him. The reception was so bad that um, this mascot was called Mr. Fanatic. And he was like the other mascots that Kennywood had were like costumes, right? Like if Mm -hmm. you can imagine like someone wearing like a full kangaroo suit. Uh, that was their their main. But so Mr. Fanatic was just like a yinzer. Like he was wearing like face paint, <laughs> and um, he had like also like basically he looked like someone dressed up to go to like a football game supporting the amusement park. Is the best way I can describe him. And he was supposed to walk around the park and talk with like a real yinzer accent, like say all these like things about Kennywood. The, re- the reaction to that was so bad, so negative that after one day, like I, I was working in the park that day and <laughs> they like did this like big unveiling right near the rides I was working on. I never saw him again. They disappeared him. Jesus Christ. I feel like maybe yeah, they, they disappeared Mr. Fanatic. I feel like maybe they should have pushed through the pushback on that like the uh, Flyers did with Gritty and we could have like a beloved competitor to Pittsburgh dad. If Kennywood had committed to the bit, I mean that's that's what they were going for. Was that? But um, I mean, you can see for yourself. I just dropped the uh, the YouTube video. This is the only like uh, documentation I can find anywhere on the internet that this actually existed Last because everything else has been scrubbed. And there's just there's just <laughs> okay, this one. This is, this is video. awful. There's this one video from WTAE Channel Four of. Mr. Fanatic at the unveiling. Uh, and this this video, again, this is like right next to the, the rides that I was working on. But uh, yeah, one day only, Mr. Fanatic, Kennywood mascot. Wow. I, I did also drop Mr. Nutrageous. Why is his face like that? <laughs> Hi, I'm Nutrageous. I'm Mr. Nutrageous. I have a wasting disease. <laughs> like all of the chocolate mascots are a little concerning in the face for whatever reason. Um, I think some of it is that they're like, they're, they're smiley. Their cheeks are just so pronounced. It's like, it is great cheekbones. Great face. Yeah. It's a little concerning, but Mr. Nutrageous is particularly concerning. I will say out of all of the, the Hershey park mascots dropped in the chat, some of which I remember from my childhood and some of which I don't, my favorite of all of these is the icebreakers mint tin. (laughs) Yes, just, the eyes are again. The eyes are too far apart. The eyes are too far apart, but he actually looked very happy to be there. He's like the like icebreakers mentioned. Like that's his expression. Is that, is that the Bitcoin? Is that the Bitcoin? Is that what happened to the Bitcoin? I kind of love the payday bar because it it in my head it rings as like the ghost of Purdue Pete. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see. I yeah. see the vision. When Pete went on to the next time, the next, the other side. And why is the payday bar wearing a hard hat anyway? He's the working man. It's the working, it's the working candy bar. I assume this is right after 9-11 because, you know, York Peppermint Panty is holding the American flag. We were all trying to get across here. You know, how how patriotic we were. 
Okay. Welcome to our football podcast. Yeah. Okay. Fine. We're like so 25 I guess minutes in, it's fine. Twenty-five minutes in, I will steer it towards football. The first thing we have is there was a Bill O'Brien alert. Do you know what Bill O'Brien was doing last season? Only because we discussed it on last week's podcast. I still think it's a good test to see if we remember what we talked about two days ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you know, the Bill O'Brien alert is is what we created because. And like we didn't know what happened with Bill O'Brien, right? We needed like, to what, what is he like doing? Cat. Like, what is Bill O'Brien doing? He was with the Patriots last year. I, I mean, he was he was first in the AFC South for a long time. People forget that like his his like tenure in Houston was not awful. Like, sure they went nine and seven a bunch, but they won the division. <laughs> that was enough in the AFC South. Uh, it's it's his trouble started when he he decided to be the uh gm too at the same time uh yes that, that 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 basically did not work out uh and then he went to the wayward coaching school with nick saban and became the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. uh and then he left to be the offensive uh coordinator and quarterbacks coach with the patriots this year uh then you know we we found out and discovered on the podcast last podcast uh that he actually became the offensive coordinator at ohio state did and now since Mr. Jeff Hafley left to to be the DC of the Packers, he is rumored as a front runner for the Boston College job as a head coach. I, I know y'all said it last time, but I'm gonna say it again. Man, Boston College is a hard fucking gig right now. Good God. To walk into the ACC and with like kind of weird expectations, but expectations to be able to like own your region, which I don't even think they can do at this point. It's it's weird, man. And you know, I will always beat the drum for New England football, but oh, yeah, it's a rough one. I have I opened Bill O'Brien's Wikipedia page as you do. Say that. Say say it. <clears throat> say it because it's hilarious. William James O'Brien, born October twenty third, nineteen sixty nine, nicknamed the Teapot, is an American football coach who is currently the offensive coordinator for the Ohio State Bu- Buckeyes. Since when? <laughs> who decided? Teapot this? Bob. Teapot Bob. I'm pulling up this article because apparently Bill O'Brien was called Teapot by Tom Brady. And Brian Hoyer with the Patriots. Here is here we go. Because of how often he would quote boil over in the quarterbacks room. Oh, that's that's, okay. That tells me that you're not using teapots correctly because you don't put the teapot directly on the heat source. That's what the kettle is for. Yeah, he should be kettle or 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 the electric kettle. Oh, Bill the electric kettle O'Brien. Actually, that that sounds like someone who was during the troubles in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you guys, you mentioned it last time, but just, do you think that Boston college is a good jumping off point for whatever Bill O'Brien wants to do with his life? Cause I don't know what, like, I don't know what he wants to do. So he's currently the OC for Ohio state, which seems like a great job. Oh no, man. <laughs> I'm just going to chain myself to the future of Ryan yeah, day. This right. will be fun. I don't know that I oh, actually want that Instead of, Instead, well, I'm mean, going to change like, my change my future to fucking Chestnut Hill. Hold on, hold on. Let, let's 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 look at Bill O'Brien's strategy here. OC for Ohio State. Things go wrong. Ryan Day is gone. Interim head coach Bill O'Brien of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Take is the BC job. Huh? 
Is there a buyout for that? You should get a buyout for being interim. I, I like that. I don't think so. I mean, I think you'd probably renegotiate if you're named interim. Bill O'Brien went to Brown? Sort of... Huh. He's an Ivy boy. I mean, the, the teapot. Suddenly, right. suddenly, I like him a lot more. He's one of my people. I like the cut of his jib. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Dartmouth basketball is fucking liberating the masses here. Y'all are giving me shit. Yes, Dartmouth basketball, voice of the working man. So, someone said that they ought to be careful because at five and thirteen they could get fired. You just, just remember, you don't have to be good at your job to form a union. You just have to have enough people. <laughs> I mean, true. Yes. It's Sorry. not about being, it's not, everyone's giving them shit, but it's not about being good at your job. It's I mean, about look, working look, together. I, I agree because, you know, referees have unions. So, yeah. Uh, there Ayo. you go. So, yes, the the teapot, and <laughs> I, I don't know, man, like, like, like PTI, like, pardon the interruption, did a segment. Mm-hmm. They were like, yeah, you can do some good stuff in Boston College. And I'm like, are you sure? And I'm like, it's so hard. I feel like they are unduly biased by the fact that Tony Kornheiser was there when Flutie threw, threw the Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's, that's he forever what, has good vibes about what, Boston that's what, College. That's what, you know, Kornheiser thinks. But I, I think BC could be like uh, a perennial bowl team. Like, I mean, yeah. Fenway Bowl, which I said wrong last time. I said Pinstripe Bowl. But, I mean, they can make a bowl game played on the baseball field almost every year, I would say. Red that, that's something BC what can is do. The, what is the high watermark at Boston College? Like a really good year. So what the, does that the B, look like? The B ceiling? The B ceiling, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I could see the, right. our new Boston College podcast, B ceiling. So now that the, the B ceiling, the B ceiling, I think now that divisions <laughs> have gone away, is potentially doing like what Pitt did in 2018. And figuring out a way to fall ass backwards into the uh, conference championship game and then getting nuked by Clemson. But it's kind of yeah. harder to fall ass backwards into a conference championship game without divisions. So it's a double-edged sword Without there. divisions, yes. You kind of need the divisions there or just a bunch of chaos and, and crabs in a bucket. And the ACC is known to do that. They could. And they've added, they've added some schools that are, uh, uh, you know, from the Pac-12. The they've just Pac-12, added. To, they've added crabs are, to the bucket. Two more crabs. They are uh, Pacific crabs, but uh, oh, they're like has brought up ones with of really bucket. long legs. Um, That's right. That's right. I love. I love that show. That girl's a great show. BC could like have a Wake Forest moment. There's no real if reason gonna, why they couldn't can, have a Wake Forest moment. I, I feel like if you can get a QB there at BC, which they have, like a fun one right now. <laughs> Castellanos, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if he's in the portal or not, but he he runs around for his life. And I mean, you know, the teapot, Bill O'Brien. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep referring to this because he got called it once in like 2015. It's in his Wikipedia page, so it's it. true. It's in the wiki. It's in the wiki. Wait, um, if 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 they put, wait, does Boston College have a covered practice field? Because that could be the teapot dome. Teapot oh Dome scandal if he gets in trouble with NIL or something. Fuck yeah, Warren G. Harding. I love Warren you, man. Warren G. Harding. I love you, big dick Warren. <laughs> I just call him that? Okay. Oh my god. You guys missed me, see? We did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess we did. I'm looking at, like, Boston College, right? They had a period from 2004 
through 2008 where they won nine games every year. Like, they have had good teams in the past. They have had teams that have done things, right? They had that that uh, famous play way back before I was born. But, like, yeah, recent returns haven't been great. But, I mean, I don't really see why they can't do something that a lot of other ACC schools could do. Like, I don't think they're that much worse off than like a Wake Forest or an NC State or a Pitt or a Syracuse or something like that. Like, there's a lot of teams in the ACC that don't have anything saying like, oh, yeah, this team is going to be good, good a lot of the time. But like, that also means that there's a lot of room there to, you know, if you can put something together, do something good, then you can, you know, you can, there's, there's room for you to be good in a way that doesn't exist in some I, other conferences that have these really dominant teams. I'm, I'm laughing because like what happened in 2007, when they got up to rank two in the nation which 2007, everybody was like ranked two Everyone's ranked at two, some point yeah. in time. Right. And, mm-hmm. But like after that happened, the, their coach in 2008, like interviewed for the New York jets job and they just fired him. <laughs> how dare oh, you? I, I remember how that. Dare you? I remember how dare that you, was... Jeff Jagosinski? <laughs> yep, and they they haven't they have going into that they had won nine games for one two three four five five consecutive seasons. They have not won nine games since then. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop what Coach Jagosinski has done since then. Since then, I'm gonna read it off because okay. this because the fall off after being fired from Boston College is amazing. Here's yeah. what Coach Jagosinski has done since being fired from Boston College for talking. To, to, how dare you talk to the Jets? The Jets. He was then the offensive coordinator for Tampa Bay, the head coach of the Omaha Nighthawks, which was a United football league team, but not the United one this year. Not he was the, wide receivers the, coach at D3, Ave, no, sorry, NAIA, Ave Maria. Offensive coordinator at Georgia State for a while, associate head coach at Georgia State, then was offensive coordinator at Notre Dame High School in Tennessee for three years, was the Dallas Renegades uh, offensive coordinator for the first, sorry, that was XFL 2, then was the wide offensive line coach for the Vrosha Panthers, I can never say that Polish name, B-W-R-O-C-L with a little thing through it, A-W, I forget how you say that, but of the European Football League, and then he was also the offensive line coach for the Philadelphia stars of the USFL, like from winning like 10 games at Boston college to just. Hmm. So I'm get, let's do a little bit of a blind draft here. Okay. I'm going to give you four schools based on the undergraduate enrollment. These are four private schools. Mm-hmm. Your choices are a school that has 8,971 students, a school that has 8,049 students, a school that has 9,484 students and a school that has 8,960 students. I want the Which big one? one? You want the biggest one? I want the big one. What's the big one? That's Boston College. One of these is Notre Dame. Your other choices are Notre Dame, Stanford, and Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so they are sort of in the ballpark. Yes. Okay. So like this can work. These are all these are all schools that have pretty high academic standards high to very high, and are small privates. 
Well, I think the way... Like, I, like, I just remember him talking about Warren Harding again. Big dick warning and a small private. Jordan... To me... Says small privates, and I'm just, I'm, I lost it. I'm sorry. Thank y'all. I feel it better me, now. To me, the big question for Boston College is how well can they tie into like actual Boston? Because mm. like I, from what I've heard, Boston College is not really like it's Boston's college team in the sense of like they're the only game in town in football uh, outside of like FCS and like things like that. Um, and then also in basketball, there's no one that comes close to the level of uh, conference that they're in for, for that as well. But like as a school, they don't really fit too well into but like Bostonians are not like crazy about Boston College. Mm-hmm. And so it, come, it comes way me, low on the list behind like like Bruins, Celtics, Patriots, like the Red Sox above all else. Like there's a yeah, big well, gap. So there. from what I've from what I've heard, a lot of. Boston College's student body is not because Boston College, like, yes, they're in Boston, but they draw a lot from New York. They draw a lot from uh, other parts of New England. Like, it's not there are definitely Boston people that go there, but it's not like the way you'd have with like a state school where like there are a lot of local people that are getting in state tuition. Like, it just it doesn't work like that. And so my my question is just like can they figure out a way to broaden their appeal and be more of a like Boston team? Because I think the biggest opportunity is like, they're the only power conference team in all of new England. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of people in new England. It's not historically a college football area or it's not historically an FBS football area. That's a, it's historically a college football area, but we're talking history. Yeah. They, yeah, it's it's a co- it's historically a college football area where all of the dominant college football programs said they didn't want to play anymore with the big boys and they took their ball and went home. And that's I mean, that's which is why I think the big reason why it's not a college football area now. But I, mean, I feel like is, there's an opportunity there. Uh, the thing about Boston that's that's interesting is just like the vast majority of higher ed in the city of Boston is private. Mm-hmm. Like. You, you've got Boston College, you've got MIT, you've got Harvard, you've got Wellesley, you've got, um, you? like, you have, yeah, um, you've got Berkeley, you've got uh, the Berkeley. <laughs> Two E's, school, <laughs> music, school music. Right. New York Conservatory, you got. You've, you've got Tufts, you've got, like, there's a ton of stuff up there. You've got to get down to UMass Boston before we're getting into a public school at all or into the community college system. Mm-hmm. So Bunker Hill, uh, baby, Bunker Hill Community College, love you. Yeah, like so, but you're in a you're in a situation because of that that a a private school can still be very much a part of the community in a way that's often tricky in a space that has a lot more public school option. I I don't know how Bostonians feel about Boston. If you are a Bostonian and you have feelings, please let us know. I would be very curious. I forgot that Boston University is private as well. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And so and Northeastern too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The, the, the thought, and this is like a weird comparison that I have though, is that like BC is like, especially in terms of recruiting and the student body and all of that, it's like, like bizarro universe Tulane in some ways. And okay. you, you know, you would like to see BC do sort of the like same 
And I think that, you know, there's maybe potentially a space for the same sort of like scrappy underdog. Everybody, everybody loves the little private school um, kind of thing. Cause like, you know, BC is a Catholic school, but they're not Notre Dame. They're not going to be able to do the Notre Dame thing. Um, And it's just really hard for all of the reasons that everyone has laid out for them being where they are with the competition that they have in an area that doesn't have a lot of like, there's no natural recruiting base for BC for football either. Not knocking folks who play football in the North high school football in the Northeast. I'm sure there are many great players, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't even have the recruiting strength of like the Whippeal, which is not what it once was. So just, it's, it's, it's rough. It's interesting as well. It's interesting as well, because you know, you're talking about like the plucky upstart private school, Literally, we were cheering on Holy Cross, the plucky upstart private school, to take down Boston College. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we were cheering on someone else as the plucky upstart private, which just tells you how we don't perceive as Boston College being that way. Yeah, I mean, BC is also sort of... Indiana is not a perfect comparison uh, by any means, but it is sort of one of those teams that's like, this is a team that is in a power conference for historical reasons and not necessarily because of things that have happened on the field. Indiana, this is not a knock. I love you. I'm sorry. Hey, get that paycheck, Indiana. doesn't fucking matter. Once you're there, they're going to have to get you out with a crowbar. Oh, why didn't I say Northwestern? I meant Northwestern. That works better. <laughs> hey, y'all, have you heard of Steve Belichick? No. So there's Bill Belichick. I dropped a picture in chat of Steve Belichick. That's a mullet. That yeah. sure is a mullet. Uh, uh, Steve Belichick is going to be on Washington staff as defensive coordinator. Uh-woo. I have Belichick at home. I do love I that. Do you have a Bill? Like I have a Steve. Graphic we've got yeah. here. Yeah. I, I feel like Steve is a good name for like an alternate universe version of someone or like a like a less famous version I, I maybe i'm just thinking of stephen baldwin but like i just feel like steve is a great like secondary person in your family's name wait okay so sorry there was already a steve belichick who was bill's father but this is not steven jr because he's named something different the original was steve nicholas belichick who played uh fullback for great lakes navy hey great team and the detroit lions sure not as good team and then you have Bill, and then you have Steve and Brian. Brian Belichick. I didn't know there was a Brian as well. So we got Belichick's all over the place. Isn't there also a Carroll now? Another, like, Pete Carroll's son is also being hired now? I think he's at Co- Washington, or? Kamish, what the hell? He's dropping all the best uh, the best faces for <laughs> Steve the, Belichick. The greatest hits of Steve Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly I'm watching a Harry Potter movie and I'm not enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. This is, it is giving David Tennant a little bit, but in the worst way. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so Brennan Carroll, of course he's a Brennan, is offensive coordinator at Washington. So it's the Nepo baby hive now. We got a Belichick and a Carroll on staff as offensive and defensive coordinator. Oh, somebody's got a high, oh, you know what they, you know what they have to do? What? They have to complete the trifecta. You know how they have to do it? Wait. Brian? Uh-huh. Brian's getting wait. a new job. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't they also hire like a Harbaugh or did you already just say that? No, I, I, I talked about a Carol. Did Jack Harbaugh get another job? I think Jay Harbaugh like is in Washington also. What are they doing over there? Collecting all Oops, of the power stones? I mean, hey, Jed Fish, the fish God. tank is getting all of his, his fish lined up in his fish tank up there in Seattle. 
He's got. I, oh God, got, this is this is awful because man, this just means that Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick are going to be showing up to practice like in their cutoffs, being like, "Hey, what you guys doing? Anyone want to run an Oklahoma drill with me? Come on, boys, let's see what you got." All I want to do is I just want to go into one staff meeting and be like, "Do you know who my father is?" and just walk away and just like watch it explode. Do you know who my father is? You know, you know what, y'all. I'm, I'm sure that these two gentlemen are the best for their job and they got there based on the merits of their skill and not based on who their parents are. Okay. So, so Jay Harbaugh is rumored to go to Washington. So that's, that's Collecting not them all. finalized. That's not finalized there. So Steve the is fucking, there. The fucking Aldi of staffs here. I got Belichick. I got, I got Harbaugh, Belichick and Carol. I got, I got a Belichick oh, what, on sale. What, what is I got, this? I got what a is Carol. this Belichick? This is this, this is what happened is when, when we have Harbaugh. When Pit Girl had to buy, this is this is what happened when Pit Girl had to buy non Heinz ketchup. That's right. Day. That's right. I I shall take over the NCAA with the entitlement gauntlet. So this also broke today that Iowa maybe Iowa's special teams coach is interviewing for Tampa Bay. Iowa no. special teams coach, uh, his name is LeVar Ball. No, not LeVar Ball. God. <laughs> what? No. Sorry, no. <laughs> Big bottle brand working for <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm going to need to be a fly LeVar on the wall. No, but I am going to need to be on a fly on, the, a fly on the wall for the conversation between Kirk Ferentz and LeVar Ball. I need that. <laughs> I need oh it. Oh, my God. I, I want to, I'm going to drop in the chat LeVar, LeVar Ball. LeVar Woods is career okay because he has been in iowa since 2008 he was administrative assistant for a while then linebackers coach then tight ends coach and has been special teams coach since 2018 he's been good there but he's only ever been in iowa and there are some folks in the when i posted this iowa fans that were like well he's got to go somewhere to get some seasoning it's good he's getting out of there he's got to go because he's gonna come back and take over the program so he's got to get out of there and get some seasoning someplace else in tampa well, uh, he's been at Iowa for a lot, like since 2008. What kind of seasoning do they think he's going to get? I feel like he's already just been like, like they he's put enough pepper on him and he's going to come back and they're going to be like, no, this is too spicy. Spi- oh, this is spicy. If he's going to Tampa, what type of spices in Tampa? Weed. Sunscreen. Va- vape juice. Sunscreen. He's going to come back dragon vaping. He's a 45-year-old dude. Going to come back with just the biggest vape plumes. The vape cloud will block out the sun. And then, of course, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, the Dartmouth basketball team went to the National Labor uh, uh, Review Board and was like, hey, we'd like to be a union. And the local Labor Review Board, I think out of Boston, said, yep, you have the, because Dartmouth has the right to control your work. The players perform work in exchange for compensation. I find that players are employees, which, ooh. What's wild about this is, so whenever you deal with the National Labor Relations Board, um, That's what it was, the, NLR, the NLRB is an extrajudicial process. So, like, there's no, we're taking this to the Supreme Court. Like, nope. This has one level of appeal. It goes to an NLRB judge who either says yes or no, and then it's done. And... NLRB rulings are by their nature national. So this has potential, like it's hilarious to me in a, in a weird way that this is getting so little coverage because this has the potential 
to be a much bigger deal than NIL, a much bigger deal than the transfer portal. Because once you get into we're signing contracts and we're employees now, things like NIL and the transfer portal get very blown up very fast because this begins to operate very differently. Also, always remember that the entire reason that the NCAA exists and the entire reason it has always existed is to keep from playing workman's comp to injured athletes. So I feel ways about this. Um, but yeah, this could be very interesting. I, I think that it's, I think that people aren't covering it as much because it is harder to draw a one-to-one line that isn't just like, and the whole system implodes. Because the minute you start yeah. extrapolating out and like, I'm not, I'm not a labor lawyer. I've never claimed to be, but this is, yeah. Uh, what's yeah. also interesting is that Dartmouth doesn't do athletic scholarships. Mm-hmm. So Right. So the compensation is, is slightly different here. I like I it, I don't know. It's bizarre. It, this is this is crazy and has I think has the potential I mean, to the, blow up. The Ivies have some of the weakest cases uh-huh. to be deemed as employers. Mm-hmm. Like if this is one of those things where like if the Ivies are going to be called to account on this, this is big 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 trouble for everyone else because it becomes very difficult to argue like that other other uh college athletes are not employees so we will see where this one goes uh i think the other reason this doesn't get covered a ton is that nlrb stuff is very arcane to try to understand it's very much an insular system and there's a few people who do great reporting on it and there's a lot of people that are like i don't know man way above my pay grade yeah so that that, that has stopped me from tweeting about it just because i i was trying to describe this to someone the other day because some of the kids that I teach were asking me like, well, do you, you know, do you know all this stuff? I was like, man, when you start learning a lot of stuff, you learn to know when to shut up because you're out yeah. over your skis real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not, gonna, I, I'm not going to sit here and bullshit about things that I have no clue about. Yeah. I know. I know like a little tiny, 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 tiny bit. And I'm not, we're going to ride the Dunning-Kruger effect to hell on this one. Like I know how little I know. And it's, I, even what little I know makes me go, huh, this could be real fun. Before we get on to our what should I watch? Things that I should watch, or what should we call it? What is coming up, and why should I watch it? Wiscoozy. Wakua, Wusi. Wiscoozy. Wah. It reminds me of, I love the movie Eurotrip. It's one of my favorite, like, random 2000s movies. And I think it's Fred Armisen as a really horny Italian dude, just going, Scoozy, over and over again. It's a great movie. Everyone should watch Eurotrip. Scotty doesn't know it's a banger. Scotty doesn't Let's know it's a some- banger. Thank you. Uh, some of the things we have going on, as always, for $5 a month, you can join our Patreon and get access to our Discord. You get to talk about, just during the week, all of our projects. You can come and yell about whatever game you're watching, or you can come holler about literally whatever is on your TV. We got folks that are into racing. We got lots of folks who are so deep into college basketball right now, or professional basketball, or hockey of any level. And there's a Super Bowl thing going on that people apparently care about. So yeah, there's that. You also get access to our paywall Substack post as well. We also have our merch store, which now has our safety alert sticker and our ladies is sickos sticker. That's at sickoscommunity.org. Is it not up yet? The ladies is sicko sticker is still not up. I still okay, have fine. not gotten a chance to get to it. I bet by the time this up by the time this podcast comes out. Let's hope. And uh, if it doesn't, you'll just have to track me down in person next year during the football season to get one. Yeah. Uh, if you catch her, she's like a a German troll. If you catch her and say her name, she has to give you things. Backwards. Or, backwards. There we go. Hit hip. Hit hit heb. 
So I was I was picturing her more like Meowth, where you know, you oh, catch yeah. her and then like the, the, the coins come out. The coins just pop yeah. out. But stickers like instead. A, she's like a fucking question box for Mario. If you get her once in the gut really well, coins just pop out. We also have our YouTube channel. You should subscribe to it because we're actually going to have things on there pretty soon. We have a project we're working on with someone else. Follow our Instagram because uh, why not? I'll take pictures of food on there. People like that thing on Instagram. We also have our Substack where we're doing our best seasons of all time for teams who are no longer exist or stop having a football team. I'm killing it. We also have uh, something coming up we're working on called the Prairie View A&M Chronicles where uh, Kamish and friend of the podcast blue from feed your mascot podcast and a bunch of other folks are working on the history of prayer view a&m and the decade that they did not win a football game and all the stuff that went along behind it feed your po- last time he said that he said feed your mm-hmm. podcast mascot mm-hmm. on the podcast last yes time. yes yep uh, it is also, important to feed the mascot though don't let the mascots be hungry yeah we love yeah. our message board geniuses folks they go to the places that we refuse to go there was some really weird stuff this week about Iowa basketball that I'm not going to touch. People are awful sometimes, and they post in public for some reason. And as always, we love home field apparel. I'm wearing my comfy two-lane hoodie right now. I see, what is that? It's the basketball it? guy. Oh, it's, oh it's, the, it's the comic. Yeah, it's the home field basketball guy. And I, this got me through my flu, and I think the two-lane green wave healed me. I can't prove that, but hey... I'm on Twitter, so I can say whatever I want about medicine. It's fine. <laughs> the green wave. The green wave is medicinal. Yes. Yes. <laughs> is that why the the yellow slash green Gatorade is healing? Is that how that works? It, that's, it is. That's how it works. It's prescription strength Gatorade. That's Ooh, right. I like that for my compounding pharmacy. <laughs> oh my god. God, don't don't make me remember organic chemistry. Oh yeah, no. So uh, if you've never ordered from Homefield before. Ooh. Use offer code yes, ha 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 yes. That's three ha's for fifteen percent off your first order. And we have our sicko pressure down. Good. Listen, don't be idiots about the code. All the rest of us, I'm sure, have code regrets because there was once a time when we made our first our first order on Homefield, and we used the code and we didn't buy enough stuff. Load up. This is this is one of the best codes you're ever going to get. Mm-hmm. Just go for it right now. Trust us, it's a good idea. And we have, of course, our Sickos shirt showdowns, which are back for college basketball. This week, women's basketball, UConn versus South Carolina. It's the, like, angry Gamecock shirt, the cartoon game face, which I absolutely love. Yep, the face that Beth is making is the one that's there. And then for men's basketball, we are out in the Mountain West with Boise State versus Utah State. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl. The big game. It's a pretty good owl. I don't know if it's superb or not. Superb owl. Did you hear about the, they didn't say who it was, but one of the Chiefs players got mauled by a coyote. No, they didn't say Chiefs. They said someone. Apparently, some he got mauled. He got like attacked by a coyote out at Lake Las Vegas. That's yeah. why you don't stay off the strip. Because yep. there's oh, no. coyotes. Because there's fucking coyotes in Vegas. Can we just real quick, um, what are the teams in the Super Bowl this year for, definitely not for me, for, for our listeners who might not. Well, we attention. have the fighting Taylor Swifts and some other guys. I don't know. And, and Bro- Joe Montana and, the, and friends. And the, and the Brock Purdy's. Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Mr. Iowa State. The Purdiest what, Brock. What team is that? I don't know what team Brock Purdy is on. I assume he's not still on Iowa State. The San Francisco 49ers. The, the San Francisco. Actually, no. Okay. Iowa State made the Super Bowl. I'm really pleased oh, okay. to inform you that the Iowa State Cyclones 
are they're invisible. actually replacing the Lombardi trophy with the Cyhawk, and I couldn't be happier. Love it. So the the coyote and 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 player is uh apparently it's false. Like the cops are no. saying that it didn't happen. Lame. Um, I'm just imagining somebody who's in the middle of going through the rabies series I can't, trying I can't, to play in the Super Bowl. I can't oh. trust. It was like Las Vegas at Las Vegas News on Twitter. I can't trust them. What do you it's, mean? It's a blue check. You can't blue trust check. a blue check. Can't do it anymore. Uh, it says Hun- Henderson police have shut down claims that an NFL player was attacked by a coyote in Las Vegas with the Super Bowl in town this weekend. But this seems to be... Like I, I have like a source that's called the U.S. Sun. I'm like I don't even know if this is correct, and then I'm looking at another source, and like it's it's just, Google's just like really horrible at this at this point. I am trying to like figure out if this has happened, but there's necessarily it just says Las Vegas locally. That is just I, no, yeah, I can't, no, I can't, all, I can't, all this I can't is, buy. No, it's it's all awful. This is I was I was following someone else. I want to say it was. The guy who does Defunct Land, which is a great YouTube series if you've never watched it. The guy on Defunct Land was on Twitter saying that he found something on Bing more easily than Google. And like, yeah. holy shit, we have lost. Like, because Bing is great for porn. Like, that's like where you want to go for porn. It's really great to search. God, but, what is, what? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I respect it. Like, if you're just, if you're just getting your butt kicked in the search engine games and just being like, well, we know what. This is our trump card. Yeah, we know what we want here. Yeah, it's 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 pornography, and they're good at finding it. But uh, not. So, but apparently, they're good at finding other things now too. AI, man, oh, what can I say? Alexa, play Capitalism. Avenue Q. Uh huh. <laughs> yes, it's really really great. Man, Jordan, you're very horny tonight. What's going on, uh, guys? It's been a day. <laughs> I hey, I was. It's c- the Gatorade. It has the Gatorade. It also no, has, it's 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 paying those. It's fucking- revitalized him. I'm it's back, paying, Jerry. I'm it's back. Paying, it's paying those fucking tolls to get down to Dallas. Fourteen dollars in tolls round trip, baby. Jordan Everything does is somebody Dallas. something. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the Super Bowl is coming up. It is between the Chiefs and the 49ers. This morning on the Dumpster Fire show, I predicted a score of I'm feeling twenty two to zero with the Chiefs winning. Because uh, I thought that was cute, and I was the first one on that day, and could still make that joke, which is nice. What are some of the other weirder bets you've seen, Kamesh? So I, my, my favorite thing with the Super Bowl, which is uh, I like to see just what weird prop bets there are. Which you know the prop bets are very, very. Uh, there's a lot of eyes on the game, and they want more betting action. So, so technically, like you can bet on like every single thing that goes on with the game. Like whether the the national anthem goes long, whether you know the coin flip is heads or tails, uh, you you get a chance to bet on things that are just very weird. So I love the prop bets because like these these books will just throw out crazy random bets, and like you just have passionate opinions about that. What what my friends and I used to do, we used to do something called petty bets for the Super Bowl and we would just like, Hey, just bring a bunch of ones and we're going to do petty bets throughout the game. Like stupid things like, Hey, the next commercial is going to be this, or the next play will be a run or a pass. And you just be exchanging dollars throughout the game. So my, my, my favorite thing for this is these weird prop bets. So it's just like bets. You really can't do any other time because I mean, essentially this is the last game of the year in the NFL. 
there's there's other football and and we'll we'll talk about that later. But uh, you can even bet on the official viewership of the Super Bowl Fifty Eight. You have an over under odds of over one point. I'm sorry, one hundred sixteen million viewers over under that. Uh, the the current Super Bowl viewership record was last year uh, when it was one hundred fourteen point two one million viewers. So you kind of have to wait to the end of the game there to bet on like the viewership. Then with the the uh, this the singer, I, I think her name is Taylor Swift. Uh, there's a prop bet for that. How many times were, will Taylor Swift be shown on the screen? This is during the game. The over under is four and a half. So I mean, everybody seems I, to be. I, I'm feeling. I'm Jordan's feeling like higher than that. Way over. Hammer okay. that over. Hammer hammer the over on the viewership. Hammer the over on the fucking on all this. All right. Yep. All right. There's another one that, during. It, so is that specifically during the game or including yes. pregame and? No. So it's okay. like during the game while the camera's on her. Uh, so they're very specific with this stuff because, like, we got to have rules. And I know there's, I know there's a line as to whether or not uh, she is proposed to. There, there's, the there's multiple proposal things associated, yeah. not just her associated with it. So mm-hmm. this is, the, we'll, we'll go over a couple other ones here. Uh, so will an unauthorized person enter the field of play? This is essentially known as a Super Bowl streaker prop bet. So essentially, if a person from the stands runs onto the field without permission, then that constitutes an unauthorized person entering the field of play. If if that person is you, the better. Is that insider betting? I don't know. Yeah. Is, it, is this it, like ooh. being the change you want to see in the world? This is this is the Alabama. This is the guy that knows the Alabama coach going. I, I have mean, all the answers. Look I at mean, my phone. I know who's going to pitch. It's Take me. my money. So if you bet enough to offset the cost of the ticket and to offset whatever costs and fines you're about to incur with the Henderson police and turn a tidy profit. I mean, Vegas, baby. It's, it's you know, who knows? Uh, a couple of other, the, the classic prop bet uh, at the end of the game is what color liquid will be poured on the winning coach. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's multiple colors here. That's purple, red, blue, Lime, green, yellow, that's all in one. Orange, clear, slash water, or none of the above. Mm. Uh, so there is, apparently, there was an underdog last year, which was purple. And that was after the Chiefs win last year. So purple is not the favorite. The favorite right now, it, it still seems to be like it's tossed between red and blue. But uh, that's probably one of my favorite uh, prop bets. The, the favorite thing here. Is we talked about the proposal. It says, "Will any player propose to his girlfriend on the field after the game?" Yes or no. They have odds there, and then they mention it's like a, a Drake Super Bowl curse. There's a there's a weird bet here. It says like, "What will happen to the price of Bitcoin during the Super Bowl?" <laughs> <laughs> the price of Bitcoin goes up or it goes down. I'm like, this this gets really far into the weeds. Uh, what does the Super Bowl have to do with Bitcoin? Nothing. But people who people who own Bitcoin have to bet on things because that's what they're just conditioned. I mean, it says the same. It's the same thing as like the correlation between days and years. There is none. Actually, yeah. No. Now that I think about it, that makes sense. Like, just Bitcoin users are gamblers. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, Essentially, you buy Bitcoin. You're probably gambling like as. That's all basis. you. It's all you can do with Bitcoin because it's. You really can't even buy drugs with it anymore. 
you can't buy assassins with it anymore because those websites are down. So yeah. all you can do is just bet on Bitcoin going up in value and selling it to someone else. Do we accept Bitcoin? We should. I mean, can Patreon do that? I have no idea. Join I know. Us with, I'll, and, I'll, I'll take Bitcoin. Take some Bitcoins. Uh, there's there's a couple of uh, the last two bets I really want to go over here. Uh, they're they're kind of weird questions. It says, "Will any player record an octopus?" What the fuck is an octopus? Yeah, exactly. Like everyone's like, "What? What is an octopus?" So it, it sounds like a wild prop bet, but basically the octopus is really quite simple. If a player scores a touchdown and then scores the two point conversion, they have recorded an octopus. Oh. Hmm. When, was this eight, a, when did this become a thing? I don't know. We should start keeping this track seems of like it, me. though. Uh, there is an NFL Octopus Tracker Twitter account that we are now following. Excellent. Okay. Uh, there's one more thing here, which is our favorite one we already follow. Will the game end with a unique score line in NFL history? You can bet on the scoregami. Yes. Oh. Will the scoregami happen? Oh, that's yes, great. Yes, plus 2,200. No, not available. Like, you yes. have to bet Oh, yes. you got to bet Yes. So with the Super Bowl 58 scoregami odds suggesting a 4.3% chance, it is unlikely we will see one in Las Vegas. Having said that, the scoregami odds are plus 2,200, uh, are worth a sprinkle at bet.us, I believe. So the last scoregami was in 2014 when the game started with a safety snapped over Peyton Manning's head. I remember. Oh, love it. And the Seahawks that. won. 43 to 8. The most recent score got me this year was in December. Uh, I'm sorry, it was on New Year's Eve. The Ravens won 56 to 19 over the Dolphins. So maybe, maybe, but those are just some of the fun prop bets that I like to look out for. Uh, there's other ones involving like what commercial or who will who will uh, like get shown on camera first when Post Malone sings America the Beautiful. Which oh, I that's the thing that's happening. That's happening. the same thing that's happening. I remember. Yeah, uh, that that's something that's happening. Thank you, Super Bowl Ooh, is in Re- Las Vegas. Is Riva going to get over ninety and a half seconds? Yeah. So there's a lot of different pop bets, and those are those are something that I like to entertain myself because I mean, it's the Super Bowl. It's not necessarily a sickos game. I don't necessarily bet, but it's just fun to know, and just be like, hey, you know, if you're having a party or something like that. The betting line here is you got that. And then we would do some those silly petty bets where we'd throw dollars at each other uh, when we would have Super Bowl parties back in the day. Kamish, I am mad at you. Why? Because you paused for a long time after you mentioned the octopus, which meant I looked it up on Urban Dictionary, and now I'm stuck with that. <laughs> <in my head. laughs> um, okay. Okay. Um, I I also... I, I, I will have to look that up. I was... I mean, maybe don't. Um, I was no, also... No, I, I owe it to Beth. I have to do that. Hmm? We can just that. drop it in the podcast uh, no. Discord. Page. <laughs> no. No. Nope. You're going you're gonna to get us killed with the mods, all right? Nope. We are nope. the mods. Hey, we're together. Yeah, let's not do that and say that we did. No, very no. Um, but I was also looking at the octopus, not on Urban Dictionary, because I value my eyeballs. Uh, you are smarter than me. This is a well-known fact. <laughs> there is uh, no college football octopus tracker on Twitter. So CS-minded f- listeners, that's a thing that would be cool. We will follow you. We'll follow you. Gotta call it something different, like the squid. No, it's no, an octopus. Well, it's octopus is eight points. Yes. That's why it's an octopus. Yeah. You, it's eight points. Why did it take you this long? <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. 
we've been over the I didn't realize that Anakin didn't like sand because he lived on I was gonna say Arrakis, wrong planet. He didn't live on Dune. <laughs> Close. Tatooine, same thing. We're gonna start up one that's just called like the Pentapus, and it's for people who score a safety and a field goal in the same game. Pentapus sounds so worse. I don't know why. Yeah, especially after reading Urban Dictionary. So me and Beth, me and Beth, we're here now. Yeah, uh, Kamish, I saw your first face. Definition. I assume you were reading Urban Dictionary based on that expression. The, the, first, the first definition was okay. I thought it meant something else, and then I saw the second definition, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's fine. I did not need I'm, to know that." I'm sad now. Is there like a rural dictionary? <laughs> <laughs> Just like everything's like super wholesome and old timey. <gasps> rural, rural dic- I'm looking at dictionary. I can't hear rural without the fucking rural. dirty the rock joke. The rural The rural jur. Oh, it's the rural jurer. My kid's working on his R's right now. And uh, like there's actually a joke. definition on Urban Dictionary for the that. rural dictionary. <laughs> It's it's a website link that just redirects you to the Urban Dictionary, probably a reflection of Urban Dictionary sense of humor. Yeah, that's pretty much it. The Rural Dictionary. Anyone else have any Super Bowl opinions? Uh, anyone excited about the new Taylor Swift album, the Dead Poets Society? What's it called? Uh, I Dead Poets Society. What? I am I am interested to see what the uh, genre of the new album is, given that Taylor has been reinventing her sound with every new album for a while now, not including Folklore and Evermore being twins. Uh, this this so. looks like an introspective one. It does. I think it's going like to be like, like uh, not like Folklore and Evermore, but like sort of... We're not going to have a shake it off on this no, one. No, this is sure. going to be some like Jack Antonoff shit, but not like Midnight's. Uh, by the way, Kamesh, the album is called The Tortured Poets Department. I was close. Okay. I was like, I was about to get on my desk and go, oh, captain, my captain. There, yeah, there's, so there's going to be some, uh, that- I'm big mad about Joe Alwyn in this album, so get ready. So there's no chance of me teaching this one to my junior high marching band, probably. I don't know. There might be a good banger on here. I mean, there is no, one. This, this is your slow piece. This is your ballad. You don't, you don't give a junior high marching band a slow piece? What are you, high? They have also, Taylor has released the like track list for this. Um, and I believe that uh, there's a Post Malone feature and there is also a uh, a song called Florida, three exclamation points featuring Florence and the Machines. So, you know, That's you never it. know. I, I, I do like Ooh. the one, the piece, this piece called I Can Fix Him, parentheses, no, really, I can. That's some Donna, or that is some Lana Del Rey shit there. Yep, yep. There's also one piece on here called A Piece, because you can hear I'm a musician, called The Smallest Man Who Ever Lived. That one's going to be a banger. Man, y'all, y'all just be like listening to that. I, I will just be over here listening no, this to is, music. This is, no, this is re- no, this is reaction. We got to do reaction content now. That's no. what's big on Twitter. Commission do I, reacts. Commission do I need to, to like Taylor show Swift. like my face with like a reaction? Like, I, no, we'll get you. We'll get you. With, uh, <laughs> Arthur, what's it called when you get the when you do an anime character over someone's a J- VTuber? <laughs> Yeah, commissions a VTuber. That's not what we're doing on on YouTube, uh, by the way. Not so. yet. It is now. Uh, not, uh, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Well, I mean, we don't want to show our faces uh, because we have to stay in inconspicuous, uh, incognito, so to speak. Yeah, we are. We gotta keep the Mystery Podcast incognito mode. <laughs> we're a committee. We don't need to be seen. It's fine. The biathlon world championships are coming. I know. So we we're talking about like 
a few weeks ago or maybe months ago at this point that someone brought up that it's an Olympics year and then realized that like, no, it's the summer Olympics. Yeah, we still have ways to go. Yeah. But that was because, like three weeks ago. Linear time was a mistake. It, it yeah. Was, it was yeah. me. I'll, I'll own my mistake. It, it was, was, it was all, it was all of us. I was with you. Yeah. Well, so we may not have the Winter Olympics, but a lot of the Winter Olympic sports have their own like world championships that they will have on the other side of Olympics. So like, oh, we're not doing the Olympics. We'll have the world championships kind of opposite that. Um, So biathlon does that. Biathlon has world championships every year. There are not Olympics. So three out of four years, they have a world championships. It basically functions the same as the Olympics in that it lasts for like two full weeks and they contest every single uh, race that they do. I am just going to run down some very basic things about biathlon. So the biathlon world championships are in Novo Mesto, uh, which is in, uh, boy, it's not the Czech Republic anymore. I forget what it's called now. Yeah, Czechia. Um, so that's where it is. Uh, typically these are always held in Europe Biathlon, the athletes are mostly European. The countries competing are, are mostly European, but there are some countries from, from outside. Uh, that's but, the, that's, um, the, that's the flag, by the way, of the town it's in. Ooh, knives. Yeah. Two knives. It's, ooh. it's in Moravia, which, oh, by the way, also Moravian flag, Moravian seal. One of my favorites. It's the checkered, uh, eagle. It's like Croatia eagle. And it's wonderful. Oh, Pizza Eagle! I yeah. love that one. It's giving it's somebody, It does. It has. It's. It has that 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 vibe. Also, funnily enough, Moravia, I believe, is where Kalachis actually come from. They're Czech, but I think they're technically Moravian. Someone, someone out there will tell me if I'm wrong. Okay, so the the way that you watch biathlon, it does vary from country to country. There are some countries that have their own uh, TV broadcasts. The U.S. actually used to have their own broadcast of biathlon back when the Olympic channel was still a thing. Oh yeah. And then when NBC shut down the Olympic channel, they took those over to Peacock, but then NBC just like let the rights lapse. They did that for a lot of the sports that had been on the Olympic channel. They just stopped covering them. Basically Um, they let that all the rights lapse. So now no one has the American broadcast rights for biathlon. So you can just go on the it's the Eurovision sports app and just get like the direct feed from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're basically any country that doesn't have a, their own broadcast deal for biathlon. You can watch that way. So I think Canada also um, for our Canadian friends, I think they also you can just go on the Eurovision sports app. Um, or on the Eurovision Sports website, uh, you do have to make an account. I don't think I free... don't think it's Eurovision Sports. It it it, it is. is That's, it? It's like yeah, yeah. It's like they they have some sort of like sub subsidiary. That does oh that's that's wild okay yeah never mind I I thought you were talking about something else entirely. They do have a Eurovision Sports app. Cool. Yeah. So basically, that's where you go. So you you can make a free account and then get the app or go on the website and watch it that way. But some basics with biathlon, right? So you start every race in the stadium. And when I say stadium, it's basically like an area where there's a bunch of stands and a shooting range. It's not necessarily like a full built up thing. The idea Um, idea of having like a winter stadium for a winter Olympics was always funny to me. Like we're going to build this fancy new stadium 
for a winter Olympics where none of our events are stadium events. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just like, like big, big stands. There's a shooting range. There's like some facilities there, but it's, it's referred to as the stadium. So every, every race you start in the stadium, then you go out and you ski a course that will be set. So you'll be skiing laps around the course, the laps, depending on what discipline you're racing can range from one and a half kilometers to four kilometers in length. So you go out, you ski a lap, and then every time you come back through the stadium, you have a shooting range and you have to stop at the shooting range and you shoot at five targets. They're 50 meters away. So to put that in perspective, that's about if you were at midfield at the 50 yard line on a football field, you would be shooting into the end zone. So it's sort of like the length of a Hail Mary. Uh, There are two shooting positions prone, which is like you're lying down. So you have like a lot more control Uh, and then standing up where you have less control. So the prone target is 45 millimeters in diameter and the standing targets are 115 millimeters in diameter. Millimeters, not centimeters. So how many is um, that in miles? So that's yeah. uh, how many? How many, y- how, how many yards is that? That's 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 less than two inches. Forty-five millimeters. Mm-hmm. Okay, so okay, yes. oh, I was definitely thinking centimeters. Never mind. Sorry. Yes. And then the other target, um, about four and a half inches. Okay. Yeah. Nothing resembling Warren G. Harden. No, he. No, uh, the hard the hard man was like. I mean, you you know, can stop. Just you, stop you know the no. you know the the no. measurement of rod. Well, it's because for Warren G's is it's a it's one rod. So if you had yeah, I'm so mad right now. Well, and rod yeah, means so, trust. All right, just uh, just imagine right, like oh, you're I'm standing at midfield <laughs> in a football Christ. stadium, right, and like your target is is in the end zone and it's that big. I mean, like you talk about the accuracy that that they have shooting the rifles. It's probably more than any quarterback, but um, while your heart is so, racing because you fucking cross country skied for. Right. For so that's, two, that's two the big, the big thing is that every target you miss, you get penalized in some way. So depending on, again, depending on the discipline, you either have time added to your time, right? You have a, a time penalty. You could have a penalty loop where you have to Ooh. there's like you ski around an extra loop that's the that's amount of so targets you miss awful. before you go back out we will punish you with more cardio oh my god right. or or it, the other thing that can happen in the it only in the relays you actually have extra bullets that you have to manually load into your gun to like replace ones that you missed which ends up costing you time because you, you have to do that whole process. I thought, um, I thought you were going to say, I think we're going to say it's like, oh, we're going to put one of your <laughs> teammates out there. Hold it. They have to hold the target in their hand or something. <laughs> I, or William no, so I, so well, I all, wanted this to be more like Oregon trail rules where like we're taking bullets away. Now no, no. you've only shot 200 pounds worth of target target. You can only bring back 20. Hey, Arthur, is it better to be a good skier or a good shooter in biathlon? Well, it's good to be good at both. But um, if you had to pick one, you're absolutely going to pick being a good skier because you can be not a very good shot and maybe you get lucky and you hit your shots, right? Mm. Like generally a good shooter is hitting like maybe 90% of their targets. An acceptable shooter is hitting somewhere in the 80s. If you're hitting in the 70s, then like, oh, that's, that's a weakness for you. And below that, it's, you know, not even... 
you know, you're going to really struggle, but let's say you're like a 75% shooter. You can do the math, right? If there is a, let's say there's, it's one of the ones that you only have 10 shots. Some of those times you're going to hit all 10, right? Just like probability probabilities, right? So if you are a good skier and not as good of a shooter, like you will have opportunities. You'll have good days where the targets will go down for you. And then if it's the reverse, like you can be hitting all your targets, but you're just never going to have the speed to beat out someone who is maybe missing more targets, but is a much faster skier because the penalties, like they're penalties that can really affect you. But if you don't have that base level of ski speed, like you're going to be going up against someone who's just so much faster than you that they're going to ski off those penalties and beat you. Um, one athlete I want to bring up here that's really interesting is the uh, uh, Anna Maria Lampitz. She's Slovenian, and she was a cross-country skier. She was like an Olympic-caliber cross-country skier, had a career there, and then decided she wanted to come make the switch and do biathlon. And so she's the fastest skier on the woman's side overall. There's nobody who's a faster skier than her. But she only hit 71% of her prone and only 59% of her standing targets. But if you do that math there, right, just with those probabilities, in the women's sprint, which only has the two shooting stages, so 10 targets, right, five prone, five standing, there's a 1% chance that she goes clear with those numbers. So, you know, if she does that, she wins the race. But that's always something to watch for is you can have a lot of unpredictability because of the nature of the shooting. Uh, so, you know, there are some like cross-country skiing. You can know exactly who's going to win in a good number of races just because if someone's really physically dominant, if they're really good, they can just go out there and do it. In biathlon, you just you have that added variability. Like you can never know, even when like the best of the best are at their peak, you like they will still get upset because just they'll miss a target or and someone else won't, and and that's how it goes. I would like to bring up something I found called the biathlon integrity unit. <laughs> boom, boom. The BIU. <laughs> yes, the BIU. Talking about things that are prohibited. Okay, okay here's what you can't do: substances that are banned. At all times, but are not limited to, but not sorry, are include, but not limited to hormones, anabolics, EPO, beta blockers. No. Ooh. Slow your heart down. Yeah, because it barely makes it easier to shoot. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah. Masking agents and diuretics. Also, blood transfusions or manipulations or intravenous injections in some situations. Some situations. Yeah. Okay. Uh, prohibited only in competition are included, but not limited to stimulants, marijuana, narcotics, and glucoric. Glucocorticosteroids? Sure, why not? Sure. I would like to take this moment to appreciate the logo of the Biathlon Integrity Union. It's Union. great! This is, some, this is great. This is really good. It's like a little paper guy with skis and a gun. Who knew that there, who knew that there was so much fun in anti-doping logos? This dude's yeah, on I beta mean, blockers. This is oh. bullshit. So the one thing I'll say, like, so I, I want to talk about the countries because this is all organized around countries, much like the Olympics. And that's actually something that's um, in biathlon. Everything is run through national teams. Right. So on the the tour, which is called the uh, biathlon World Cup, every every single race they do, they're racing for a country. Right. Right. 
So there's no like, I mean, if you watch like the Tour de France, for example, you'll see like, oh, there are teams, right? Like you might have, I know like the, uh, The, I don't know, like the UAE team or something. Yeah, right, right. right. Like there used to be stuff like that. Like everything in biathlon is national team. Like your race, it's like the Norwegian team and the French team. And so one thing that's going to be interesting for the second year in a row is that there are going to be two teams missing that have been missing for going on three years now uh, or two full years. So they're going into their third year missing in Russia and Belarus that Russia would be a contender for taking some of these overall uh, big medals. And Belarus would have been a contender to uh, maybe not, you know, have a lot of medals, but definitely like win a medal here or there. And so they're not going to be there. You know, when it comes to that, that means that there's a lot more room for countries that are still there to squeeze onto the podium. And there are some events that are kind of designed to help that, right? So in biathlon, it does not matter how deep your team is. There's limits on how, so you don't get to run a B team, at the at the top level right like some of these some other sports you might have like the norwegian a team and then the norwegian b team that is maybe coming in second because they're almost as good in biathlon right now the top six athletes on the men's side in the rankings are all norwegian that doesn't surprise going because this is is a scandinavian sport right like it was it was created for like norwegian military patrols or whatever yeah, it so historically biathlon has been very big, kind of the base, like where it really was popular uh, when it was first getting set up was Scandinavia and the Soviet Union. And since then, where you, need it's to, become, where you need to ski and shoot animals that are trying to kill you. It makes sense. Right. But since then, it's become really popular, actually, in France and Germany as well. Uh, Germany is going to have the biggest crowds here. It's, it, I know it's in Czechia, but Germany is going to have the biggest crowds here. You will know if a German athlete is doing well, if a German athlete is in contention for a win, uh, because you will hear it in the crowd. Y'all remember uh, they, the last time there was a large German contingent in Czechia and how well that went? Well, it happens anytime biathlon is in Nova Mesto, I'll tell you that. Right. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, sure. I make a Sue Dayton joke and no one fucking breaks. Thank you, people. The um, but yeah, so like Norway is probably the favorites in a lot of categories. I think, uh, especially on the men's side, on the women's side, the Norwegian team had a couple of their top athletes retire recently, and so I think France actually probably has the edge on the women's side, but it's it's close there. Uh, what then is you the, have, what is the age spread for these athletes? Like when when do you when do you age out? Well, so it it all depends. Um, a lot of times because. Biathlon, if you were at the very top of biathlon, that you're probably making decent money. But it's not like throughout the sport, everyone is making a whole lot of money. So like you'll have people that retire just to go have like a different career. It's it's not the kind of thing where everyone feels the drive to go until their body is the thing that's telling them to stop. Uh, like you, you'll see people retire quite young for a variety of reasons. Um, I would say, so generally it takes a little while to really get up and running. Even if you're like a prodigy, 
coming up, you typically it will take a while just getting your bearings, getting up to speed, figuring out the rhythm and the train, like how to train for the the schedule, uh, because it is a very demanding schedule. And that's one thing, too, that makes things interesting is like we talk about people sitting out in the NBA in biathlon. You're basically like if you're competing at a top level, you're pushing your body to the limit. And so one thing that people will do in the biathlon, well, so there can be, so basically people want to, you want to be peaking at the right time. Like you, you really can't be peaking the entire biathlon season. No, no. So you'll have, you'll have people like be in good form. Then you'll have their form fall off. A lot of people will be targeting their form training in a manner to try to be at their peak now. So you could have some surprise results just based on some people who, you know, their training wasn't as high as it would be to be competitive earlier in the season. And I mean, now they're peaking and, and they might come out of nowhere because you weren't expecting them. You said, oh, like so-and-so is having a poor, like I know on the men's side, Quinton Fionmaé of France is having a pretty poor season by his standards. But coming into the world ch- championships, like he could just be training in a way that, you know, this is his focus. And that'll happen to a lot of athletes, especially if they don't have a good start to the season. They'll kind of shift their focus. They'll say, I'm just going to try to win medals and that's going to be my focus. And then you'll see them, you know, they probably won't look good leading up to the events and then they get to the events and and they're able to perform. I mean, I'm personally rooting for the Chileans. Uh, You know, they represent those Andes mountains. They, They haven't won anything ever, but let's go Chile. Let's do it. Well, I, I, they so I there will be no Chileans oh, at the biathlon world championships. Sakes. Um, I so I can say any so South the, Americans. The, let's go South America. No, no, God, I don't think I mean, there will is, be any South Americans. They're in the, the union. The big, they there are. They're in the but, IBU, not not the thing you get in IPAs. Yeah, so there's a lot of it. Like it's expensive to send athletes places, especially if you know, this event is in Europe and you're not in Europe. So a lot of countries that are like, they don't have the budget or they might have like one or two athletes that kind of self fund themselves. Um, but the big countries to watch in terms of like, who's going to win medals. Right. Um, you know, so you've got like Norway, France, uh, Germany has come on strong. Germany has like a huge fan base, and their actual biathlon program has kind of fallen on some hard times recently. You know, like sort of like a, I don't know, like like when Texas wasn't good for a while, where it's like, oh, like there's a lot of people really invested in this, but like they're just not, they just don't have the, the <laughs> juice right hey, now. It's weird to say, oh, the Germans back. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just gonna say that the that's Germans little, are back and they're in Chechnya. The oh Germans god! Back. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Um, Sweden is always going to be a contender. They don't necessarily do we, have, do we have a super do we have Italy team, in, but they have a couple at the top. <laughs> yep, Italy Italy will be there. Okay. Italy I'm is interesting root. because their team, they're working towards 2026 when they're hosting do the they, Winter Olympics. Do they hold their guns um, like this? You know? uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, the Italian it, it, team is really, really interesting because they have a mix of like some real good young talent that's kind of on their way up and might be, you know, ready to perform in 2026. And then they have some older athletes who maybe would have retired by now 
if it weren't for the Olympics being in Italy. And I think there are a number of people on the Italian team that kind of want that to be how they go out. So I'm Um, I'm going to root for Italy. And then I'm no, going to root for Italy's a good choice. I'm going to root for Austria also because I did a project on the country of Austria in fourth grade, and and shout out to shout out to Austria. Do you think? Yeah, no, Aust- Austria and Italy We're are not talking two about the Germans being back either. There, they they probably won't win like the top the top country there, but um, they absolutely could just, win a gold medal somewhere. Medal. They could sneak like, one. Just give me a medal. I wouldn't. It would me not shock me to see either of those countries on the podium. I mean, Italy especially. They have some some real good. Uh, uh, you know, Tommaso Giacomel on the men's side, Lisa Vitozzi on the women's we side. Got, we got names um, here. Holy crap! They're, you know, they they perform at a really high level. And Italy is actually on the women's side. They won the relay in the the women's relay, which is a big accomplishment. The Italian um, women are so uh, you don't mess with them. Yeah, I, I've got yeah, no, I mean, spoon from my grandma. <laughs> Uh, I have, yeah, it's, I, I have in the chat. Right they're, right. they're a team to watch. I have dropped in the chat, y'all. The two mascots. I don't Let's speak Czech, us. but those two mascots are great. One of them. What the hell? I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, and also, they're selling Nerf sets so you can practice Ooh. your shooting. Yes. No. So one one thing I love about watching biathlon is like every biathlon venue in Europe will like have their own mascots. And, and they'll have like plush versions of the mascots. A lot of times, I I can't say for sure that they're going to be doing it this year. But a lot of times, like when they give the athletes like their medals, the, like the athlete will get like a medal and like the bouquet with like the flowers. But a lot of times too, like they've also handed them like plushies of the mascots for the biathlon venue that they're uh, having the event at. Yeah, I'll check picture um, I just dropped. It's amazing. Yeah, in, in, <laughs> it's the mascot. In 2026, in, so in, in the Olympics, uh, when the Olympics are in Antholtz, Antholtz has some very cute bears that are their mascots. Uh, I'm a big fan of those. <laughs> and, and it's funny, too, because the mascots will get very excited, especially if an, ath- if an athlete from the home country is, is doing well, is, is winning something. Um, and the Czech team, they have some, you know, they have some good talent there. Uh, again, probably not challenging for maybe like the top step on the podium, but they they could be sneaky good. Get a couple of um, We're cool. Yeah. Oh. The U.S. unfortunately probably won't uh, have a medal to speak of. I think the top American on either the men's or women's standings is like 37th uh, on the circuit right now. There, I, I, I do want to mention that the... The woman who would have been the the top American on the team is not competing this year um, after some uh, some allegations uh, made by her that the U.S. biathlon team did not do a good enough job uh, combating sexual harassment uh, on the tour, mm-hmm. um, and and there's there's some ongoing case there with Safe Sport. Um, I don't, you know, fully have details, so I don't want to get too in in depth on it and say some things that I don't, you know, know the full background on. But um, that is kind of a cloud hanging over the American team, um, and you know, they it would be good for them to, you know, just have like some solid finishes, even without, you know, forget about the podium, just kind of finish. So I'm just going to go through the schedule here. Uh, the first event is the mixed relay 
that is on February 7th. So that will actually have happened by the time this episode comes out. Uh, the mixed relay is two two men and two women. Um, so it was designed as a way to have an event that made it a little bit easier for smaller countries to compete because it's one thing, right, to just like, let's say like a lot of countries can have like one or two really good athletes. Uh, the typical biathlon relay takes four athletes. And so for a lot, it's just a lot harder for smaller countries to compete when you get down to like your fourth best man or your fourth best woman. So in this case, for the mixed relay, you only have to go too deep. So that's the seventh. That is at 1020 central time. All of these are AM, but all of these are at like a decent time to watch. If you are, you know, maybe you have a second screen while you're doing work or something like that, then February 9th, you have the women's sprint at 1020 central. The men's sprint is the next day at 1005 central. Uh, so the sprint, that's a timed event. So there will be a lot of people on the start list and every 30 seconds, someone else goes out on the track. Every shot you miss in the sprint, you do a 150 meter penalty loop. Okay, so penalty. And then it's just all done on time, right? So like whoever goes out first, you know, you'll come back in and then you'll probably wait for over an hour to find out like how you did because like everyone else has to go through. Typically the, the contenders go towards the front because the snow can get uh, slower as more people ski on it. So typically you'll see like once you get like through the first like 40 athletes or so, you'll know who's going to win, but then you still have to kind of wait around for everyone to finish. Uh, then, so on the 11th at 7.30 Central is the Women's Pursuit, and that's followed the same day at 10.05 Central by the Men's Pursuit. So the Pursuit, you're racing to the finish line. So it's not a timed event, but you start based on where you finished in the sprint. So whoever won the sprint starts, and then like let's say the next person finished 15 seconds back, they will wait 15 seconds before they go out on the track. And only the top 60 start the pursuit. So you got to finish in the top 60 in the sprint to get into the pursuit. So it's like, it's like qualifying uh, that's, for NASCAR, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Except if, if you actually kept the time and the times can get pretty big. I mean, you'll have like minutes, <laughs> uh, like a couple minutes back from when the first person starts to when the last person starts. The reason they do that is the shooting ranges only have 30 lanes. So you can't have the whole field going at the same time. So you need a way to kind of space them up. Um, so I would recommend like, if you're only going to watch certain events, the pursuit is a better one to watch. Generally the ones where they race to a finish are more exciting, easier to watch than the ones where it's timed. The, then at the 13th at 10, 10 AM central, the women's individual. And then on the 14th at 10, 20, the men's individual. So this is like the sprint, uh, but it's just, it's longer. And instead of penalty loops, every time you miss, they just add a minute to your time. So what this makes, what this ends up making the case is that shooting is really important in the individual because a minute is much longer than it takes to ski the 150 meters. Like the 150 meter penalty loop, it takes like 20, 25 seconds. So the penalty for missing in the individual is like more than double what it is in a lot of the other races. Um, the reason 
that the individual again only does time penalties is because it goes back to when they were doing the paper targets they didn't know in real time so you couldn't ski it off right then and there uh then on the 15th you have the single mixed relay that's like the mixed relay but there are only two people there's one man and one woman so it's even easier for the smaller countries you only have to have one good athlete per per gender um then the 17th uh, are the relays so the women's relay at 6 45 a.m central the men's relay at 9 30 a.m central that's the one where there are four of them uh and then the last day probably the best event to watch if you are just checking it out on the 18th the women will do it at 7 15 a.m central the men will do it at 9 30 a.m central that's the mass start so because there's only 30 lanes on the shooting range you have the top 30 they go and that is set by a combination of the standings in the ibu world cup and the performances that you've done so far in the events so if you even if you're like not very high up in the standings going in if you have a really good performance in like the sprint or the individual you can get a starting spot in the mass start uh, and the mass start, right? Everyone starts at the same time and you finish at the same time. Uh, so that's pretty much, you know, that's what you need to know going in, really, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's all on the, the Eurovision Sports app. Uh, and I would also recommend the Biathlon, like their actual website is super informative, has all the information on when the races are. And actually, if you go to the website or use their app, it will tell you all the start times in your time zone. So I didn't have to do any math there. I just opened the website and it already knew what time zone I was in and just told me everything I needed to know. You must have your location settings on. There you go. There you go. Okay. Uh, Kamish, do you want to do a best, do you want to do a really fast best season? Yeah, I was going to try to do a, a best season of all time uh, from the Substack just to basically give you a sample of it. Can we give, can we give us a taste in 10 minutes? Yeah, I, I could try to do it as fast as possible since the biathlon was uh, they, we, we're gonna do a relay here, uh, and and I may or may not hit the target. We'll hit it and, and get a penalty lap or whatever whatever's going on so, there. So but, first off, Kamish, give us real fast. Like, what is this project you're working on in the Substack? So basically, on our Substack, we're we're doing the best season of all time for schools who stopped having a football team. I mean, typically the school is still like functioning as. You know, they, they have basketball, they have other sports and everything. They just decided to no longer have football. And there's various reasons on why they no longer had football. Most of the time, it's it's monetary reasons. Uh, sometimes their team was not great. Uh, other times, there, there was like a giant war and, and that, that broke out in, in Germany. And, and they were in Czechia again, I guess. I, I, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but, you know, th- there's a couple of different reasons where it happened. And then just the... I wanted to highlight like their best team of all time before the program got shut down. So basically I, I, and then maybe give you a little hint if there's an inkling that the program could come back because there are some that are coming back from the dead slowly, but surely uh, there, you know, as we talked about centenary earlier on the podcast, uh, they did come back from the dead. Um, you know, after our, their glorious uh, return, I think they, they went away in world war two and they came back. So they're back after a big absence. So I've done five so far. I'm actually working on another one for another school right now, which 
maybe I'll have it out this weekend uh, or, or Friday. Or I'm, I'm aiming for next week because I don't necessarily know how crazy it's going to be. But I've done five so far. Um, is there any particular one that you'd want to go through? I'll let you all choose. I, I've started with Evansville, the Aces, the Purple Aces, Vermont, Portland, uh, the Pilots, Long Beach State, and Marquette, the the one that I just did recently last week on Friday. I mean, I'm a I I'm I'd love to hear Vermont. You you love to hear all about Vermont. Vermont I, feels I, 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 thematically appropriate given the amount of time we spent talking about BC on this episode. I think yeah. so. So let's let's go with with Vermont. I'm I'm gonna just go ahead and, and just do this really quick because I know we're under the the gun <laughs> due to the biathlon. So hey, okay. yeah, all right. Uh, so basically, I'm gonna give you the what I've done in these posts is I give you like a brief history of the Vermont Catamounts team. Uh, the school's first football team was fielded in 1886. Uh, Vermont was independent for the majority of its history until joining its one and only ever conference, the Yankee Conference, which oh, yeah, I, Yankee I wrote conference. about. That. Hello, Yankee Conference. Uh, their best records uh, as an independent were in 1922. They were six and three. Uh, 1923, they were six three and one. And the tie in 1923 was against Boston College, hey, uh, who finished 7-1-1 that year. They did have an undefeated season in 1897, where they finished 3-0-2. Uh, in 1909, they finished 3-3-3. And the only reason I mentioned it, because that was very fun for me. It was very balanced. They were 3-3-3. 3-3-3 is really impressively balanced. I, I, yeah. I mean, nine games, three ties, three wins, uh, you know. It's, it's, it's great. Three losses, two, whatever. Uh, v- Vermont began in the Yankee Conference in, in 1947. They were in a conference with Yukon, Maine, UMass, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island. Although they played UMass and, and New Hampshire in the first season, they didn't play Maine until 1950. Uh, Rhode Island until 1955. Same conference. Eight years, they still hadn't played each other. Yeah, These that super was conferences. Bullshit. Yeah, right? Uh, UConn. Uh, and they didn't play them until 1966. <laughs> Nearly 20 years in the same conference, they did not play UConn. It was incredible. Uh, so Vermont's winning percentage in the Yankee Conference was was just not great. Uh, it was not going well. In, in their history in the, the, the Yankee Conference, they were 27, 66, and 2. They, they were... Their winning percentage was 290, uh, sorry, 20, uh, 295. Just, just not great. And when the Yankee Conference went away, uh, the their their worst streak was against UMass. They were three eighteen and one against UMass. They had lost fifteen in a row to them. Uh, also, in its entire twenty-seven year history in the Yankee Conference from nineteen forty-seven to nineteen seventy-four, Vermont never won a conference championship. Never won a conference title. So uh, it's it's just ridiculous that they never won the title. Uh, in 1949, Vermont was two and zero in conference, six and two overall. However, the league title was awarded to both Connecticut and Maine, who finished with league records two zero and one, with their tie <laughs> with their tie coming against each other. That's- so Vermont, I know you don't have a football program. Claim the 1949 Yankee Conference title, Vermont. Do it. Do it. Please. Um, in 1966, they finished second in the Yankee Conference again with a three and two conference record, uh, six and two overall. So this one, Vermont was kind of funny how they got shut down. Um, so 
in the 1970s, uh, there was a change in how the NCAA classified football programs. In 1973, the old college division, which what Vermont was in along with the Yankee Conference, was replaced by NCAA Division II for minor programs that offer athletic scholarships. NCAA Division III for those without scholarships. So the Yankee Conference programs were all placed in Division II at the time. So basically, Vermont was forced up to Division II in 1973. Uh, then in 1974, uh, a year later, uh, university officials decided to eliminate football from Vermont's sports budget. The team had been wallowing in mediocrity, which, Ooh. I mean, Ooh. in the Yankee Conference, again, a, a 29% winning percentage? That's, that's, I don't know rough, about, that's really bad. I, I don't know about bad. mediocrity there. Oh, uh, you can say that. Yeah, um, I can say that. Yeah, and, and regularly they were competing, uh, competing against smaller Division Two and Division Three opponents. Uh, some said, uh, you know, when they decided to, you know, shut down the football program, they said, quote, at the time it seemed like the the right, albeit painful, thing to do. Uh, oh, God. It's like, hey, hey, we're not great. Uh, we haven't won a conference title ever. Even though claim nineteen forty nine, claim it, uh, and and you know, I don't know if we're gonna get any better. Uh, and of course, you know, there's budget issues, the reclassification issues. The team wasn't necessarily good, so I can kind of get the logic of them shutting their program down. Uh, so also, if they didn't shut it down in nineteen seventy four, moving up to Division One AA, which is now FCS, like the entire Yankee Conference did in nineteen seventy eight. Vermont was probably going to shut down then too. Um, so if they survived the division two and then them bumping to like division one, I, I kind of feel like it would have shut down four years later if it didn't happen in 74. No catamounts. I love, Bur- I love Burlington. It's a great college town. It's a great Some of the best town. spot I've ever had. Like, yeah. So really what I want to just, just do here is just, just go over their best team of all time. So, yeah only one time in their history that they ever got above six wins in a season, which was the 1964 Vermont catamounts. There we go. Why are all these weird things happening in the fifties and sixties? I feel like that's all we're covering recently. I I don't know. It's, it's a time of transition. It was, it was crazy. Uh, they've went seven and one. They finished second in the Yankee conference, uh, the Vermont catamounts, which I, I think I have like the photos of their uniforms. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll just throw that in there in the yeah, chat and everything like that. Those are great. Those are great fucking uniforms. I love them. Ooh, like the uh, solid V on the sleeves on the green. Like I love yeah. that. And they had like the Jesus. cat on the helmet. Yeah. Yes. Like, fucking amazing. Just, just phenomenal. So I, I, they were coached by Bob Clifford, who was likely the best coach in Vermont football history. He was 30. 7, 29, and 1 overall. Uh, his record inside the Yankee Conference, you remember I told you they had a 29% yeah. winning percentage in in the Yankee Conference? He was 15 and 20 and 1 in the hey, Yankee Conference. you know what? Not bad. <laughs> Not, Not bad. fucking bad. I mean, it's, it's above 29%, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he kind of reminded me of, uh, like, looking at him, he kind of reminded me of the, the guy from, like, I don't know, unnecessary uh, necessary roughness, <laughs> like like Robert Loja. Like, he kind of reminds me of him. Like, if you look at him, it's a little bit of that that actor in Over the Top. Uh, you know, there's 
the the old timey Robert Loja. You gotta love him. So I'm just I threw his his record in there. Uh, the 1964 season was a historic one as they set a school record by winning their first six games of the season. Hell yeah. They had never done that before. The The best start to them uh, was in 1899 when they won their first four games of the year. So you're looking at like 65 years later, you're finally winning more than four games to start the year. So Vermont, yeah, I understand. Uh, I'm just going to go over their schedule a little bit here. So they beat American International 14-6. D2 school now. D2 school. They beat uh, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. Hell yeah, engineers. Yeah, 41-6. The attendance in that game in Worcester, Mass, was 2,500. It's Worcester. Yeah. Worcester. New England listeners will will flame you for that one, Kamesh. What about, like, so it's it's not like Worcester sauce? It's it's Worcester. 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 Okay. Worcester. 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 The next game was one of their rivalry games. It was against Maine, the big one. Uh, one of the big ones that they had. And uh, after their first two wins, they took them down. They hadn't defeated the main Black Bears in 13 years. Uh, they were able to pull off the victory 14-7, according to the newspapers. The newspapers <laughs> said that Vermont hadn't won their first game, had won their first game against uh, uh, Maine since, like, the Dark Ages. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just, just ridiculous. Uh the weird thing about this one here is like the, the there's a photo in the aerial yearbook of Vermont. Coach Clifford is presented with the game ball with the score on the ball saying that they beat Maine 14 to 6. I looked up every single newspaper I could find and the final score was 14-7. So I don't necessarily know where they got this 14 to 6. I, I don't I don't I don't know. Like it's these I had them the ball and like the coach is like uh that's the wrong score. Love it. Yep. You know, we won 14-7. It happens all the time. Like all this, the time. Like, like fucking ancient football, the score is just like, it's all made up. So uh, from the New York Times, they said Vermont thrilled a homecoming crowd with a 72-yard scoring pass on the second play of the game and went on to upset Maine 14-7. Uh, uh, Vermont had to hold off a last-ditch Maine rally that fell five yards short of a touchdown as the gun sounded like the biathlon. Uh <laughs> A goal line stand for we the Catamounts. We need more of that. It's not a starter pistol. It's it's someone with a rifle on their shoulder lying prone, taking a That's shot. Right. I mean, they the could game. be skiing out there in Vermont. There's green mountains out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, uh, the, the literal green mountains, yes. The yeah. green mountains. They, they pulled out a narrow victory the next week against Rhode Island, 16-8. to uh, Then they went on to beat another rival in New Hampshire, 40 nothing. Fuck yeah. Beat up their biggest win of the year. Their only loss of the year was to 10th ranked in the small AP colleges poll. UMass, of course, denied them their bid for their conference Damn it, title. UMass. Damn it, UMass. Damn it, UMass. Uh, the writer that, that wrote this one that said like UMass just couldn't hang on, um, his name was Bish Bishop. I love it. Bish Bishop. Just ridiculous. It's incredible. As you can see by the stats, the Catamounts were basically outmatched by UMass. They did finish up the season with a nice win over Middlebury, 12 nothing, to end the season on a high note. So, I mean, the best season of all time for, for Vermont 
seven and one, only lost to like a ranked opponent, essentially, and finishing second in the conference like they did three times in their history. Won won the Vermont State Championship. They beat Norwich and they beat Middlebury. There you go. That's right. They won the Vermont so, Championship. And didn't play Colby because fuck Colby. So good to go. That's right. So on these sub stacks, right. I, I, I fucking said it. Fuck Colby. That's right. Do it. Say it. Fuck Say Colby. it. New England, New Englander, Jordan. So at the end of these, I typically do like a little section that says any chance at football returning. So technically football's back at the University of Vermont, but it's in like the club fashion. So it, it returned in 2007. Uh, there was a quote from like an article from the New York Times that said that statement should send tremors through your mother's preserves. <laughs> After after more than three decades without one of America's most popular collegiate sports at Vermont, basically, football returns uh, to Vermont by Chuck Clarino. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to the late great Buddy Tevens here. When Vermont wanted to start their club football back up, he donated a bunch of pads mm. and like gear and everything like that to allow the club football team to come back to got Vermont. The right, got the right colors already. I mean, technically, there's some green there. So uh, so for the first time since 1974, the University of Vermont student-athletes will don the green and gold uniform and represent uh, the college on the gridiron. So it's, it's a club football team. Um, it was in the Northeast Independent Football League, and, and their conference was called the Yankee Conference. So it was kind of back in some weird form. Um, their last season that I, I was able to find that was in 2022 when they finished 0 and 2 in conference and 1 and 3 overall. I'm not sure why they didn't play in 2023. I could not find much information, but I do hope that they are still back. Um, it would really be nice to see them in FCS again, maybe in the CAA <laughs> with all those no, teams. No, no fucking more teams in the CAA. <laughs> We're gonna have 18 fucking. Put teams. them in no the NEC or whatever. Do that. God do that but again um you know after like a year of toil and sweat they were able to play the game again i'll leave you with that new york times article but that's what i've been doing on the Substack. uh subscribe i got another one coming uh which is going to be something way out northwest uh and then i got a few other was brewing but it's fun i i don't necessarily have that behind the paywall and it's just fun to research and all these crazy teams in in their histories because i mean Really, the 1964 team was kind of legendary for Vermont uh, in their history because they're really, whew, Vermont football, not necessarily too great history-wise, I would say. There we go. Thank you, Kamish. Thank you, Arthur, for catching us up on new sports. Anyone else Sorry. have anything for the rest of the order? Folks, that's what we got for today. Enjoy your superb owl. And we will yes. see you. Actually, we'll re I guess we'll record during it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's it should be over by the time we start recording. I think, depending on how many commercials or if it goes to overtime. But I do want to say something for Warren G as we end the podcast here. It was a clear dark nine. It was a clear white moon. Warren G. Regulators! Mount up! Mount up.